the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. The idea here is that it happens secretively that at the rapture. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-4. It says this, For you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, believers, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. We need to be ready. The time when Jesus returns has a totally different feel and meaning for believers than it does for non-believers. When Scripture talks about unbelievers, it says that Jesus will return like a thief in the night, catching them unaware and unprepared. But what about the believer? It's a totally different story. In today's message, Pastor Gary is going to show you why the return of Jesus is a message of great joy for the believer and why you can and should be fully prepared for that day. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 16 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. In chapter 15, verse 7, it tells us, what begins, what precipitates these uh, pouring out of the bowls, which reveals another series of God's judgments. And it tells us this in chapter 15, verse 7. Then one of the four living creatures, we're talking about angels, gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. So four living creatures give to seven assigned angels each a bowl, and then they pour out these bowls. And as they pour out these bowls in succession, the pouring out of the bowls initiates another series of God's judgments. And these are the last of the series of God's judgments. So we're going to get out of the tribulation here soon, and we're going to get to the return of Christ by chapter 19. And if he comes before we get to chapter 19, that's even better. (laughs) But then what we see happening through chapter 6 are these bowls. I'm going to run through these real quickly to get to bowl number six, which is where we left off. The first bowl, ugly and painful sores break out on all who have the mark of the beast. The second bowl is the sea turns into blood. Every living thing in the sea dies. The third bowl is poured out and the rivers and streams become blood. Drinking water is polluted. The fourth bowl is poured out. People are scorched by the intense heat of the sun. The fifth bowl is poured out. Darkness covers the kingdom of the beast. That's the Antichrist. And then we come to the sixth bowl, which is where we left off last time. The Euphrates River dries up. 
demons entice kings of the east to wage war against Israel in the valley of Megiddo. And that brings us to the battle of Armageddon, which happens uh, there, the gathering of the forces in the valley of Megiddo. So Revelation chapter 16, look with me at verse 12 to 16. It says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, the the dragon is Satan, the beast is Antichrist, and then you have the false prophet here. This is the terrible three here. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather. Now notice that, that's key, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Jesus then speaks, verse 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered, there's the word again, they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Now, um, just some quick background on the word itself. The word Megiddo appears 12 times in the Old Testament, but only appears once, and even then it's veiled in the New Testament, because the word Megiddo is found in the word Armageddon. Only one time that word Armageddon is mentioned anywhere in the entire Bible. We have a lot of fascination, we have a lot of thoughts about what Armageddon might be like, but it only appears one time in the entire Bible. It's right here in Revelation 16, 16, and it is from the words Har Megiddo. And Har Megiddo means hill of Megiddo, and it literally means hill of slaughter. That's what Megiddo means. Har means hill, Megiddo means slaughter. And it is situated along the Jezreel Valley. It is the gathering place for the final world battle against Israel and the God of Israel. And he pointed out in the video that it is the place where these nations assemble. Because what happens is when these demons are released, they entice kings from the east to come and to attack Israel. And it's more than just attacking Israel. It's attacking the God of Israel. And this is anti-Semitism at its worst. It, it, is, it is demonic-inspired warfare where these nations will converge against Israel. And the Euphrates River is dried up, it tells us here as part of our text, and that enables these armies from the east. We're talking about Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, and then further east in the far east, China, Japan, Korea, coming across the Euphrates River, which is now dried up, which formed a natural barrier, otherwise, to attack Israel. And so this is what goes down in in Armageddon, but it's just the gathering place. The warfare doesn't take place necessarily at Megiddo. It is the gathering place for these armies, and then they will end up marching down towards Jerusalem. And so what starts in the valley of Megiddo ends at the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem. Back in chapter 14, verse 20, it talks about how the blood of the battle will, will rise up to the, the horse's bridles. So the Kidron Valley becomes the bloodbath. Kidron Valley is also known as the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat in Hebrew translates the valley where Yahweh shall judge. Jehoshaphat's name means God shall judge. So the valley of uh, Jehoshaphat, Emech Jehoshaphat, means the valley where Yahweh shall judge. So these nations which gather at Megiddo, which is about 57 miles from Jerusalem, 
end up marching down the Jezreel Valley, merging over into the Kidron Valley or the Valley of Jehoshaphat, and the battle transpires primarily there in Jerusalem. So that's what he meant when he said, you know, in the minds of a lot of people, there's this terrible battle that happens in in, uh, Armageddon there at Megiddo. But it seems to indicate from the text that that's just the gathering place. That's why I emphasize the word twice here. It's not necessarily where the battle itself happens, but it's the gathering place of these, of these armies that come against Israel and the God of Israel. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to read it before you can get there. But Zechariah, if you're taking notes, Zechariah chapter 14, Zechariah the prophet sees this day as well. And he writes this in the first four verses of chapter 14. This is Zechariah 14, 1 through 4. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day... This is Zechariah seeing the return of Christ. Listen, this is Zechariah 14.4. And in that day, his feet, that is Messiah, Jesus, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west. There's going to be a great earthquake. Making a very large valley, half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. So even Zechariah sees it in his day as the Lord shows him what is going to transpire there in the valley of Jehoshaphat or the Kidron Valley. Now, there is a great debate and discussion about how Ezekiel 38 fits with Revelation 16. If you're not familiar with Ezekiel 38, I'm going to read first six verses, and I want to try to sew these two passages together here to help us understand what might be going on. But in Ezekiel chapter 38, Ezekiel has a vision of a major battle against Israel as well. Is this Armageddon that he's writing about, or is it something different? This is what Ezekiel 38, 1 to 6 says. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws. And lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. And Ezekiel writes here, and he goes on in chapter 38 and into chapter 39, talking about these various nations that come against Israel in the last days. Gog is a title. It is not a location. Gog can also be translated prince or czar. And in this particular case here, Gog is the prince over Magog. Now, uh, Josephus, Pliny, and Herodotus, those ancient historians, all said that Magog was the land of the ancient Scythians. The Scythians lived north of the Black and Caspian Seas. So we're talking Russia. Russia will be, will take the lead in advancing against Israel. And these other nations that I just read there will join with Russia. It speaks here about Persia. 
Persia is the a- ancient term for Iran. In fact, Persia, up until 1935, Iran was called Persia. Before the Islamic Revolution of 1979, Iran was actually an ally to Israel. Iran would sell oil to Israel. Now, of course, Iran is a staunch enemy of Israel and wants its destruction. And we also see playing out in world events that Russia has an alliance with Iran like never before. And so we're seeing some biblical prophecies starting to unfold even before our eyes. Ezekiel speaks here about Russia taking the lead, Persia or Iran with Russia. It also mentions here Ethiopia. Ethiopia is what Ethiopia is today. And the population of Ethiopia is 45% Sunni Muslim. Also, Libya is with Russia. They have a Sunni Muslim population of 97%. And so Libya represents the Islamic states of the Upper Nile region of Africa. Also listed in Ezekiel 38 is Gomer. That's Eastern Europe area of Germany and Poland. It mentions Togarma. That's the region of Turkey and Armenia and Georgia. All those Eastern European nations and to the north of Israel, Russia, Moscow is like due north of Jerusalem, they begin to converge against Israel, and then God steps in. And in Ezekiel 38, it it speaks about how God speaks in to judge those nations who advance against Israel. And I want to read to you the judgment because it sounds very similar to what we're going to read in chapter 16. Now listen to Ezekiel 38. This is verses 18 to 23. And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down. The steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. And thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, I want you to compare that with Revelation 16. If you have your Bible still open there to Revelation 16... Look at verses 16 through the end of the chapter. This is Revelation 16. Again, verse 16 says, And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. And then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. That's a 100 pounds. One single hailstone, 100 pounds. Men blasphemed God. This is what I referred to earlier. Instead of running to God, men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. 
In Ezekiel 38, it speaks about God's wrath, the word that is used also in Revelation 16. In Ezekiel 38, when God judges those armies, it talks about a great earthquake. In Revelation 16, it mentions a great earthquake. In Ezekiel 38, God talks about how mountains shall be thrown down. In Revelation 16, he talks about the mountains were not found. In Ezekiel 38, he talks about pestilence. In Revelation 16, he talks about plague. In Ezekiel 38, he talks about great hailstones. And also in Revelation 16, it mentions great hailstones as well. Why why do I draw this comparison? Because it is possible that what we're looking at between Ezekiel 38 and Revelation 16 are not necessarily two distinct wars, but it could be one long military campaign that culminates with Armageddon in the Valley of Jehoshaphat there outside of Jerusalem. In other words, when some people ask me, is Ezekiel 38 Armageddon or not? My answer is yes and no. Well, is it Revelation 16 Armageddon or not? Yes and no. In other words, what transpires over the course of seven years of tribulation, it appears that Ezekiel 38 are armies that form primarily from the west of Israel, in Europe and to the north in Russia and the northern African coast. Those nations come from the west Whereas Revelation 16 speaks about nations that come from the east. So what starts at the beginning of tribulation period, which is what Ezekiel 38 seems to indicate, it starts at the beginning of the tribulation, culminates, escalates, is joined by other armies from the east that then make up this ultimate battle of Armageddon in Revelation chapter 16. In other words, I don't know that we need to you know, debate about is Ezekiel 38 Armageddon, or are these two distinct things? Is one military campaign completely finished and then another one begins? The whole thing could merge together in the same way that what begins at Megiddo ends up down at the Kidron Valley. So what might begin at the beginning of the tribulation could culminate at the end of the tribulation with the battle of Armageddon. If you go back here now to chapter 16, look at verse 15 where Jesus says, behold, I am coming as a thief. Notice that in your Bibles, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. It's interesting that the second coming of Jesus in relation to both the rapture when he comes only in the clouds to gather his church first, and in relation to his second coming when he actually comes back to the earth and defeats these armies at the end of the battle of Armageddon, are both referred to as things that happen like a thief in the night. The idea here is that it happens secretively that at the rapture. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-4. It says this, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, believers, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. We need to be ready. You know, when a thief breaks into a home, the thief doesn't announce himself in advance. So people are caught off guard. But the idea is that when Jesus comes for the church to take the church from the earth and he comes in the clouds, it'll be like a thief to everybody else because it happens in a way that they're unprepared for. But it shouldn't happen in that way for us as believers. We should not be unprepared. We should be ready. We should be prepared. 
but he returns in a way that is secretive in that sense, where other people are caught off guard who aren't prepared for this. And then the idea is also the comparison with him coming like a thief is that it's going to happen suddenly. His return is going to happen suddenly. Second Peter 3, 10 to 12 says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? And then Peter answers the question in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. So he comes like a thief, but we should not be caught off guard because we should be ready. And then it leads into verse 17 through the end of the chapter, which is the seventh bowl. And the seventh bowl, and this is the finality of the tribulation that will come upon the earth. The seventh bowl, in summary, is a severe earthquake splits Jerusalem into three parts. That's what we read there a moment ago. There's a great earthquake, verse 18. The topography of the earth changes, and 100-pound hailstones fall upon people. That will leave a mark, I guarantee you. You're going to have some serious uh, insurance claims on your vehicles for that. It speaks there in verse 19 about the great city. And there's debate between that and the rest of verse 19, which mentions and great Babylon, wondering whether or not this great city is the same as Babylon or not. And I land in the argument that the great city mentioned there in verse 19 is none other than Jerusalem. And that because all of this happens here at the end in Jerusalem, the earthquake happens there in Jerusalem. We just read that in Zechariah also, where the topography of the land changes. The Mount of Olives is split. Half of it moves to the north, half of it moves to the south. Ezekiel will tell us later that a freshwater river emerges because of the earthquake from underneath the Temple Mount. And it will then run down this new valley that's been created by the earthquake moving these mountains. And that freshwater stream will go all the way down south to the Dead Sea. It'll run into the Dead Sea and it will make the Dead Sea fresh water, if you can believe it or not. An amazing thing that the Bible tells us will happen. And and it will be teeming with life. I I always make this joke that if you want to get ahead on the market, you know, if you want to get, you know, ahead of things, open up right now a bait and tackle shop down by the Dead Sea. Of course, I don't think we'll be there to actually, you know, be in the store to run it, but it's going to make a lot of money. People will laugh, but uh, it's eventually the Dead Sea going to be teeming with life. And so this is what chapter 16 ends by telling us, verse 20, then every island fled away and the mountains were not found and great hail from heaven fell upon men and hailstone about the weight of a talent, again, about a hundred pounds. And, but the sad last sentence of chapter 16, men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly Great. And so I just want to end by again reminding us from Ezekiel 33 11. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? God gives us multiple chances. I'm thankful for the many, many chances the Lord has given me over my life. There comes a day of reckoning, though, and there are no more chances. So while there's still time, turn to Him. Turn to Him and live. 
and enjoy the benefits of walking in a relationship with Jesus. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. Prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more. Right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.